magical hour. Oh, Matthew and Schaefer. Shafey. Shafey, are you there? This is hot, Ray. Symmetrical book stacking. Just like the Philadelphia man's turbulence of 1947. You're right. No human being would stack books like this. has fallen once again on the hill country here in Austin, Texas. It was a dark and stormy day here in the hill country. We saw some rain that we hadn't seen in quite some time. Cold weather has moved in. It's feeling positively Novembery out there. Glad to be indoors. Glad to be keeping things warm. Glad to have some things to discuss today, things including but not limited to Canadian town that is trying to cut down on moose-related car licking, and if only, if only we had, I had someone to talk about these things with, if only I had some sort of a, how you say, podcast ride or die, Matthew? I was working on a podcast in a fake garage. That much is true. Don't, don't you want me, Shafee? That was a shout out to Jesse's karaoke story. Excellent. I believe that was the song that she did in the gay bar in Seattle that was met with sort of a nonplussed audience response. I'm just finally glad that I'm not sweating in my garage doing my podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you, you've uh, got a little bit of a jacket on there, I see. Oh, a light jacket. Uh-huh. It's delightful. You're positively dressed up. My CPU works better at, at this sort of temperature. I have a... <laughs> it just works that, best. That cold fusion is going on in your... Uh... I mean, I guess the listeners can be the judge of that. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to call you out on a on an untruth. Neither of us have been working very hard on this podcast today, as we were just discussing in our pre-production meeting. Well, the true part is that it's a fake garage. And <laughs> that part is true. <laughs> I've, I've been working on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, we we're just talking about possible things to talk about today, and one of them is the fact that there's still a tab open on my computer <laughs> to uh, from the last from from yesterday when we podcasted, I guess. 
spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to episode 43, we're about to, major spoilers ahead. Or lightinthebox.com, specifically women's plus size lingerie is still, uh, and then I come, obviously I haven't been on my computer since we recorded this, the last episode. And I pointed this out to Matthew, and Matthew had a dazzling detail of his own. I'm pretty sure that our conversation, I don't, and I don't think I typed this in anywhere. I think that I just said this aloud because you mentioned it. I said women's plus size lingerie. And I promise I got a, a Facebook ad targeting that. So somebody's listening. We've been targeted. Siri and Echo and. Everything come everything comes back to lightinthebox.com lightinthebox.com. Mr. McIntosh, my browser history at Light in the Box. <laughs> Boy, I, I'm I'm still reeling from some of those prints on those shirts at Light in the Box. Why I wanna know more about this company. I feel like I feel like strange things are afoot at Light in the Box. I I don't think that that's even subtext really. I think that that's right on their front page. It's a strange. It's a strange company. How can you have on offer so many different prints? I guess you don't have to print it until it's uh, ordered. Listen, one magical nation, hunter gatherer crew. This evening, today, whenever you're listening to this, we have a special guest. My good friend, Professor Ben Bays, uh, he's going to join us momentarily. I hope, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school. Are you sleuthing over there? Yeah. I. What have you dug up? It appears that Light in the Box is a legitimate business and not just a front for peddling stolen goods or a phishing scam. But totally. many light in the box reviews tell of difficulties getting the product they ordered or getting their money back. Oh, so they're just a crummy business. Maybe we should not accept their sponsorship. Well, but we already cashed the check. <laughs> I've already spent my half. Sorry, buddy. We're in bed with lightinthebox.com, whether you like it or not. Me, you, and my sidekick, your headboard. In bed, light in the box. Do you have a news cruise while we're waiting for Ben? I do. <laughs> what gave me away? The uh, was it the former pro about the moose licking? You're my uh, you're my north of the border correspondent. Yeah, this is an international story from your international correspondent, Schaefer Hall. That's me. In case you were wondering. Now everybody knows who everybody is. Canadian town, dateline November 23rd, 2020. Canadian town posts signs reading, do not let moose lick your car. Officials in a Canadian town are posting signs with a very important instruction for local drivers, do not let moose lick your car. The signs posted in Jasper, Alberta, Ask drivers to keep their vehicles a safe distance from moose to make sure the animals don't get a taste of the road salt that inevitably ends up covering the sides of cars driving through the Alpine town. They're obsessed with salt. 
It's one of the things they need for minerals in their body. Hmm. Jasper National Park spokesman told CNN they usually get it from salt lakes in the park, but now they realize they can also get road salt that splashes onto cars. Hmm. Young said letting moose discover they can get salt from licking vehicles causes the animals to lose their fear of cars, which can lead to dangerous incidents on the road. Moose and cars are not a good mix. <laughs> if you hit the moose with your car, you take the legs out from under it, and it's going through your windshield, Young said. He said people should keep their cars and themselves a safe distance away from moose. So the population of moose has been rising in the area. That's a good thing. We've been seeing a lot more moose lately. Wolf population is decreasing. Oh, that's not a good thing. It means there's fewer predators. Moose population goes up. People need to be respectful. Give them space. Please avoid moose, people. That would be terrifying, hitting a moose with your car. Oh, man, I can't even imagine. But I mean, but, I, mean I realize they were saying park away from the moose, but it would be difficult to deter a moose from licking your car, like, if they want the salt and they know it's yeah there, yeah don't get between them guys yeah, don't get between a moose in your car if that moose wants to now yeah yeah that seems like a, a symbiotic service because it seems like it would sort of clean your car to some degree of the salt that can be so damaging to your there's that yeah your top coat to your candy paint and yeah, the moose does need the salt. Uh, <laughs> that makes me want to move to Canada, though. Yeah. Those are the type of problems I want to have. Yeah, the, those moose problems. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I do. I do love the sight of a majestic moose. Give me those moose salt licking problems. I'm moving north of the border. I saw we used to camp in the Adirondacks. Uh, when we lived in New York and I, I always wanted to see a bear. I never saw a bear, but I didn't see a moose or two up, up Adirondacks way. Not even down on the Castro. Never seen a bear. Never mind. <laughs> um, I wanted to do that joke in New York, but I, I couldn't get like, uh, um, I, could, I didn't know the neighborhood. Is it the meatpacking district? Uh, I guess it would. It would traditionally where, be where's the LGBTQ or the village. Yeah, somewhere in the. Yeah, that's close enough. Right. Or well, eastward, or down on Fifth Street. Okay, so now I know. <laughs> I'm gonna tuck that away for a future LGBTQ. Or, uh, you know, you got a bear right here, podcasting buddy. Do you like video games? <laughs> I do, of course. So our guest has been a uh, video game artist in the past. Uh, he made um, backgrounds for um, some Nintendo DS games. I don't know. We're going to talk to him about it. I know he worked at Acclaim. You're familiar with Acclaim, right? Yeah, I've heard of that. And, um, but I think when we get down to the nitty gritty, we're going to get some personal 
tales of poor, maybe of poor choices. Ooh. Certainly mm. of creative endeavors. But th- sometimes poor choices lead to creative endeavors or vice versa, right? They can, yeah. They can be closely related. I feel like a lot of my creative endeavors have been poor choices. Hopefully lead to podcast content anyway. Look, there he is. And there he is. This is my first time to meet Mr. Ben Bays. Oh, I'm introducing you guys. I know it's weird. I know it's weird to meet somebody on a podcast. But these days, it's not weird at all. These days, this is how we meet people. Weird scene, man. Yep. <clears throat> Good old, hey. old. Can y'all hear me? Can you hear me? I can. Hey. Hey, what's up? <clears throat> I'm trying to start the video, but it's not starting. But Just I guess like that we're zooming. Yeah. Well, that'll be something to look forward to. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is uh, Professor Ben Bays, as I've mentioned. Uh, best man at my wedding. My disc golf, longtime disc golf nemesis. Right. My link to the world of video games. <clears throat> Tenuous. He has tried to get rid of me as a friend many times over the years. I've just hung in there. Tenuous and tenacious. That's right. What's going on, man? Not much. We're not on air or anything, are we? Oh, oh this is it. This is the oh. Is this happening? Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to restart, so maybe we could get the video working, but I can... Okay, no. That would be good. We can, do that. we can cut to it. We can try. stop down in three, two, one. Restart, restart and join us again. Okay. Are we vamping or stopping down? We're stopping down. Everybody thinks that um, that we edit. This is a game we like to play. It's called Stopping Down Bluff. <laughs> I call it bluffing down. Paper asks if we if this is off the record, and I say, "Yeah, it is." Sure, it is. I say I say sure it is. Sure it is. And then I. Ben, you're back. Yeah. I don't know what's up with the video. Is there a sticker on the camera? <laughs> no. I have always welcomed any sort of interest into my life. I don't understand what the sticker thing is, finally. Do, do, you, need to give it, um, do you need to give it permission? I don't know. It's, so is this, this says Ring Central, but it, it's acting like Zoom. Should I just try to run this from Zoom? Uh, it will run. It will run from Zoom. Yeah. Okay. Let me try. Let me try it the long way. Maybe I can get it to work. Okay. Let me try this. I'm leaving again. Okay. This <laughs> is stopping down in three, two, one. <laughs> I'm back again. <clears throat> well, I can't get it to go. Okay. I'm sorry. It's so okay. Sorry. Can we? We can do an audio interview. Here we go. Yeah, I don't know what's up. Like, yeah, I haven't used it in a while. It's it's just a web laptop, so I don't know. No worries. <clears throat> I'm incredibly good looking. Imagine the best looking guy you've ever seen. That's me. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's close. That's true. <laughs> um, so uh, Ben and I met in art school. What year was that? Uh, somewhere between uh, 92 and 98. 
uh, <laughs> I remember it took me six and a half years to get a degree in drawing, which is yeah. a bit of an embarrassment, but yeah. Um, no, it must have been, yeah, it must have been 94, 95. It was, I think it was 95. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 95. And um, I think we I think it was Vincent Mariani's drawing class. Mm -hmm. Schaefer, Vincent Mariani was this um, Italian. He was like from Chicago, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, um, and he was, he was this amazing guy who he, I, we were recently talking about this, Ben didn't remember this, but he, I remember him talking about that he would, he, the, like the gangster kids on his block in Chicago, he showed them beauty and light. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, did he have an Italian accent or? He had an accent that was just kind of, uh, he spoke with flair. Yeah. He sort of sang a little bit. It was poetic and beautiful. <laughs> uh, he was a, a robust man, uh, probably in his 70s when he taught us, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, he could still do a handstand. I remember that. And then at least 10 years later, I was still seeing him at the gym. He was a, a viral dude. We, were, we looked him up. We couldn't ascertain whether he was still with us or not he would be i think he would be in his 90s if he was his work was amazing too right like um jewels and precious metals and it would be like sculpture and it would be like oriented towards the cosmos yeah wow yeah yeah well like all you know art school faculty you know his work was sort of <laughs> you know, you're sort of scratching your head as a 20 year old. Like, <laughs> really? Is this okay? Uh, how do we sell this? You know, Sorry. what was his name again? Vincent Mariani. <clears throat> yes. Oh, yeah, I haven't even like, I haven't Googled him. I did though Google you today, Ben. Oh, God. <laughs> because, because that's what I've been doing with, with guests. Yeah. And, you know, some of them are Schaefer's friends that I don't know. Uh, and then I thought, well, even though I know this guy very well, I want to see what his online presence looks like. Right, right. It seems accurate for the most part. Does it? Well, you know, it's, it's, there's a couple Ben Bases, a couple more. Okay. Well, the first uh, thing that comes up, yeah. though, is your, if you just do Ben Bays, or for okay. me, come yeah. in your page at the RTF department. Good. Yeah, that's what good. came up for me too. So I, I saw I saw a picture of you. Okay, good. That's communication. Yeah. Right. Um, this uh, makes you know, you, this paragraph about you makes you seem awesome. Oh, I well, I probably wrote that. Did you write so. it? Okay. <laughs> 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 well, you, you you did a fine job. Thank you. Um, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, you know, I love science fiction and, and I'm, I'm into sort of visual effects and animation and, and all of that. But there's another Ben Bays who is a pretty successful science fiction writer for television. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the links lead to that guy. And I don't, I don't, you know, you know, I don't, uh, you know. Okay, so there is an IM, IMDB yeah. page. There are a there's couple a of IMDB pages that yeah. like. Yeah. Maybe intersect. This one says Benjamin Bays, and right. it has a scanner darkly. Right. The animator is Ben Bays, but it also has, yeah. did you work on the 11th order? 
No, exactly. No, I did not. And so there's like, were you an actor in a movie called The Destroyer? No, just just not me. But hey, it's on my page, so you know, I don't I don't put any disclaimers. You know, I just let it. Funny man. (laughs) And there's a soccer player too. Together we come together into some sort of super Ben base. So. Well, that's yeah. a, that's a lot of fun. I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I dove into that. Yeah, I, I found mention of Vincent Mariani on in the student reviews on utlife.com. Yeah, do tell. What does that say? Sure, it was he was beloved. A review from a student who took oil painting said, "Lovely, lovely man. Yeah. Terrible teacher for oil painting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing." Yeah. That is, uh, that was a, that's perfect. Art 311, he made me question everything. My painting, art, lifestyle. Now I strive to do better and push the envelope. I really enjoyed his class. Yeah, definitely positive reviews. Definitely people uh, saying that he challenged them, uh, had them really think about what they were doing and what, you know. Well, that review mirrors almost what we were saying. Recently, uh, of course, Ben still works at the campus, and uh, sometimes I meet him up there, and we'll have a long walk, especially during COVID when you can't meet your friends at a bar or anywhere conventional. Uh, we've been doing some long walks, and we, we went to the by the art department recently, right? And we were talking about just uh, in general the – the type of education you get at the UTR department, which is very, very high-minded, very conceptual. I, I'm not surprised that that girl said, not a great teacher of oil paintings. Yeah. Well, it was very sort of oriented to this, you know, uh, gallery space, sort of elite art world. Uh, you know, <clears throat> much of the faculty sort of orbited that that scene. So, uh yeah, you know, I, I can say that about sort of all of the faculty that I had to some degree in the art department that, you know, yes. made a big impression on me, but I'm not sure that I got any better at, you know, the class I was taking. So oh, totally. there were a lot of hugs. I remember at one point we all sat around in a circle and, and roared like a lion, I think, you know, and I think we got an A. Uh, I think we got an A for roaring uh, and stuff like that, so. It was a real do-it-yourself kind of department and, and UT in general, I think like the resources are there and you can go up there and do stuff with them yeah. or you can procrastinate your life away. Like a lot of your students do, right? Yeah. Well, it's sort of, it's sort of part of it. Yeah. The, and I, I, I sort of, in a way, I feel like I encourage the procrastination because um, you know, now that I'm older the stuff will happen like I'll, I'll be, I'll have a late deadline. I'll have a lot of stuff due and it makes me feel young again is what it makes me. It makes me feel like a kid. I get so excited when uh, it's just absolutely hopeless. To, per, to procrastinate? Yeah. To procrastinate. I'm like, yeah, this is what it was like in college. This is so great. So everything has gotten away from me. So also that. getting in trouble makes me feel like that. I, it makes me feel young again. <laughs> So I got, in pretty, I got in pretty good trouble at work uh, about a year ago, and uh, I let my students have too much 
freedom when filming on a set and there was a lot of blowback and and I just was so gleeful the entire I kept getting called into people's offices and people were like you have to write a letter of apology and I'm like this is so great this is just like when I was in high school you know like I'm gonna get in trouble so uh, but it wasn't the bad it wasn't a grown-up trouble it was like kid trouble you know what I mean like apologize to the other person what did they get up to with their with their long leash that you gave them? We, well, we, there's a beautiful green screen at UT, just a remarkable, <laughs> very expensive, you know, and there was all sorts of years of dealing with this and getting the room up to code. And um, it's one of those green screens that has sort of the curved edge, the psych. And um, the, the college was very, very precious with their green screen. And then, you know, I shoot with, I have a lot of students, and you know, one of the things that I that I talk about in my classes is that you know you're you're here at UT, and as Matthew says, like you know, there's a, it's not a conservatory, it's not a small school, you know, it's a big school, you know. But I think one of the promises of a school like that is that yeah, we have this amazing green screen, like you know, it's million dollar building here, you know, a facility in this room alone, and we have these lenses that are. $20,000 for these lenses, you know, the sort of thing that you might not find at a very fine, smaller program. And so, you know, even though I do teach in digital media, you know, I think about all these kids from Texas, you know, from wherever, the Valley or Houston or Pflugerville or whatever. Yeah. And they finally got into this film class. I'm like, yeah, we're going to get that stuff. We're going to go, I'll get the room and we're going to get the cameras and we're going to go up there and, you know, we're going to get some wind machine going and, and everybody's going to put on some some outfits and we're gonna you know we're gonna make a space station caveman we're gonna make whatever silly sci-fi genre movie that you want to make and so we go up there and we shoot and you know you just got to keep the energy going that's the main thing I think with with you know the students is like you know they're just you have them for like an hour and a half yeah, you know, like let's just get up here and, and like let's let's get some shots in, you know. And and so we were moving around there. And long story, not very short, but we scuffed the green screen. And oh shit, <laughs> oh shit, man, oh man, did I hear about it? Because you know the paint is a hundred dollars a gallon and blee blue blue. And I'm like, D I got 200 students. Like, I'm making you guys tens of thousands of dollars. You know, you get some more paint, you know, because what they would do is, I, I'm going to get in so much trouble if anybody ever hears, hears about this. But they, they have no, their green screen facility. Would, and they they would invite. So. No, okay, good. Thank yeah. goodness. Uh, well, yeah, they would invite all of these sort of VIPs up and they would tour them around. And I was constantly getting called in, like, let's go show them the green screen and let's talk about it. And I'm like, here's our, all the potential things that we could do on the green screen. And then when I took the students up there and actually did those things, I got in huge trouble <laughs> because, you know, like we're just, we're, we're moving around. People are like costume changing and, you know, we got cameras, we're switching the lights around. We're doing multiple setups. We're having to do like 20 setups in an hour. Yeah. You know, basically. So I'm like, let's just hustle, hustle, hustle. And so, yeah, we left some marks. Take but some I, I regret nothing. I'm glad, you know, so. Uh, because, you know, you get all the way to film school and there's this beautiful green screen. It's like, we got to go, you know. It takes, it takes time and sweat to make Space Station Caveman. That's right. That's right. Which I'm uh, getting more excited about every time I mention it. The space station came. It's a good idea. It's a very exciting. Idea. That is that is Ben's um, Magna Carta. 
Yeah. He's, been working, he's been working on this space station caveman yeah. sci-fi. Well, you know what's good? You know what's good is that it's, it's, a, it's a just a sort of, it's a, an amalgam of every sci-fi idea just I've ever had. The, give, them, give, us the, give us and the listenership this, the space station okay. caveman elevator pitch. Okay, so you, it's a space station, but it's one of those really big ones in the movie. It's just like Elysium or whatever, like a big ring, a Dyson ring or whatever they call it. It's massive. And the technology and robots do everything, right? And you've got animals from all over the galaxy. Like, it's, it doesn't orbit a planet. It flies around, you know. And it's just like this beautiful, I don't know, an AI controls it. It's like an angel or something like that. Anyway, some disaster happens. And everybody, everything falls apart. All the power goes out. And all the people, I don't know, they leave refugees. But this one kid, I don't know, maybe his parents get killed or something. He's left behind. And he has to fend for himself in this, what was a utopia, but now the lights have gone out and it's just kind of going wild. And so that's the setup. It's about this sort of like Tarzan, kind of an innocent, but sort of savage guy. It's a real Robert E. Howard thing. And basically like he's just grown with all of these, I don't know, carnivorous plants are taking over and giant dinosaurs and world trees and stuff like that. So, yeah. I am totally, but, I'm totally sold. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be fun? Um, and, but, you know, there's a time travel sort of arc in, in the second season, I imagine. So even though I, I film it, I dress up in the outfit and I go out to Enchanted Rock and I film parts of it over the course of the decades, the waning decades of my life, I take some small solace in the fact that it's possible to edit it and really get this time travel thing going because part, in parts of it, I'm like 20. And now I'm like 47. And so we like Boyhood, you know, one of those movies that just takes a whole lifetime to make. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a sound idea. I think it just needs to be packaged and sold. Right. And then hopefully you can be executed. That's the problem. Hopefully you retain some creative control. Well, you've got it into the public record now that it's here. So That's right. It's like mailing it to myself. It's putting it on this podcast. Maybe it's mailing it to your... Isn't that essentially like now I've copyrighted it? it Whatever. What if it's you're mailing it to Ronan's son? Oh, there you go. Uh, uh, right. My son's son. Yeah, your grandson. Yeah. Right. I, well, now it seems sort of funereal or something like that. I feel like I'm dying. Okay, well, here it is. It's a, it's a dark, dark Saturday. <laughs> On my deathbed, I'll be like episode 38 <laughs> and he'll be like what you trailed off at the end and he'll look for it on spotify or whatever eventually. <laughs> um, so uh ben and i also shared another uh professor in common um francesca talenti who but you actually worked for francesca some right as a I, I did, yeah. She 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 taught animation in the uh, in the film department when we were undergrads, and uh, yeah, she she was doing. Um, she got some grants. Uh, I didn't know about grant money back then, but you know, there's all sorts of money flying around, um, and usually it's not very big, but that's perfect for animators, you know, because we'll work for like two hundred dollars for the year. Uh, but yeah, she she got a grant, and she asked me. She she was the animator. This is how she credited. She was the animator, but I was the artist on a couple of animated pieces, which which means she just sort of dictated what I was to draw. 
<laughs> and so, and then, so I was like, okay, you know, and she, um, you know, they were more like sort of slideshows and they would morph and things like that. But, um, yeah, those, those animations actually went places. I, I, um, was very happy to see that they sort of got into those places where you might expect grant money animation to go, which is like between things on PBS in the middle of the night, you know, like they were like, Oh yeah, it's going to be on PBS at the two thirty-seven in the morning, you know, it'll play. So, I mean, that's, you know, Hey, that's exposure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Her class was a lot of fun. It introduced me to, you know, macromedia director and, yeah. um, we didn't, we, we didn't work on any avid in her class, right? Was there avid? Not, although I did my final in Adobe Premiere. Okay. All but right. mostly we shot on the Oxberry, the big, the giant camera. Remember that? It was like a face down camera. I don't so. think I used that. I think Didn't. the classes that I took were like just all digital with her. All digital. I was there right when it, it went sort of digital. And so I was very fortunate um, because Matthew, I was into that stuff. Yeah. You might be interested to hear that Francesca Talenti is now a professor emeritus at the University of North Carolina. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. We've, we've been talking about this word emeritus. Yeah. Am I rightus? We were, I, I at one point I said, it kind of sounds like, am I rightus? Yeah. Um, we were, we were erroneously using it to refer to one of our uh, co-producers. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Um, and so, and, but you, you, in the last couple of years, you have been creating online classes. Is that right? Yes. Did the university yeah, I started pre-COVID, I started on one, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. So, yeah, did now they, that... Did they approach you to do that, or did you propose that? Well, the online class, you know, I sort of thought it would be a good fit because I was, you know, teaching digital stuff like animation and, and uh, you know, CGI and things like that. So it, it's not that you necessarily need to have, you know, a set, an actual camera, those sorts of things. It can all be done through software. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a, some, again, some money floating around and they were like, well, if you have a good idea for an online class, we'll fund it. And uh, I was like, oh, I think this would be good. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm a non tenure track faculty. I'm not a professor. I'm not on my way to becoming a professor. Well, I've and been the, erroneous, I've been erroneously calling you Professor Ben. Well, my they sort of changed the titles. Now I am called an Associate Professor of Instruction, oh, and yeah. so there's this sort of suffix to it all. Master. Uh, yeah, which is which is fine. So yeah, I I started as a lecturer and then I became a senior lecturer, which I thought sounded great, you know. And then they wanted me to change it to Associate Professor of, of Instruction or Practice. I got to choose. Professor of practice, which means you're sort of a practitioner of the arts, you know, sort of working in the fields, in the industry. Um, but I got to choose. And so I chose instruction because I already know that I can do those things. Um, and and uh, I thought, you know, it might be interesting to sort of identify as someone uh, who's into designing curriculum, you know, um, around these ideas because you know, why not? I, I don't, I certainly don't think I'm in any way more qualified than anybody else, but I am the person who 
for whatever reason is there at RTF. And, uh, you know, I used to have such terrible imposter syndrome about it because everybody at UT is like, you know, I invented lasers and I worked on Broadway for 20 years, you know. Everybody has these huge hey, credentials, but... Um, we, we don't know anything about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I... Um, I don't know that I, I seem to get along pretty well with the students, not because I'm like, I'm the expert in this thing, but more because I, I'm sort of the B plus student who made it, you know, so maybe an inspiration to the students. But I think also, I think this is important. I'm from Austin. I'm from Texas, you know. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't sort of go to Cal arts. I didn't go to Ivy league schools and things like that. So in a way I, I feel like it's, I think it's helpful because it's pretty relevant to the students, you know, I, I have a good sense. Most of them, you know what I mean? I'm not like, you need to go to grad school and get a PhD. I'm like, no, you need to go, you probably want to go back home, you know, and raise a family and get a job. Like, that's good too. Let's do that, you know, and we can do it, you know, through animation or whatever. But anyway, I'm not sure how I got to this, but yeah, I asked for money and they gave me some. And then I spent it and I had a, a wonderful time doing that. And, uh, but now with COVID, like everything has to go online. So, you, you know. Were, you were pre-positioned. I was, yeah, I was already in, in good shape. Um, but no one asks me my advice about any of that, you know. <laughs> They're yeah, like, you're, okay. You're a useful resource. Right, wouldn't you think? I think, you know, it's largely because, you know, the work that I, the area that I teach in is very creative. It's creative projects. It's like, go animate, go make your comic book. Let's do, make a robot in CGI or a video game or whatever. Um, a scene, an animated scene. But most of the structure of the university is, is uh, you know, read this text, take this exam. You know, there will be attendance. You know, the, I guess the traditional artifices of you know teaching and learning which i was never into i don't have any quizzes or anything like that so everybody that's the only questions they ask is how do you give an exam and i'm like i don't know <laughs> you know it seems silly to do that in a way so or how do you take attendance i'm like i don't they paid for it i don't care you know like um that's part well, of life yeah. uh, so we were we were reading reviews on mariani uh, yeah. You are rated uh, on ratemyprofessors.com, which is the fourth link when you when you pull oh, up that days. Yeah. You get five of five. Yeah. 100%. All right. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, here's a review from May 4th of 2020. Uh -oh. <laughs> ben uh -oh. is such a cool guy. I took his online DMP class and yeah. you get what you put in. It's solely project-based. So the yeah. class naturally takes up a lot of time, but if you plan ahead, it's very manageable. He and his TAs give feedback on all of your project submissions. Pretty straightforward class. Yeah. Easy A, as long as you don't fall behind schedule. Yeah. And most people do. <laughs> most people do. I tell them. I'm like, you can make 100 so fast in this class. But um, yeah, that. And, and the biggest criticism I get, it's all self-paced. There's only one due date in all of my classes. And that's the final day of the semester. That's it. And I'm like, you can turn in something as many times as you like. And if you don't get full score, you can redo it and turn it in. There's no penalty. And you can do the assignments in any order you wish. And uh, there's, no, there's no due dates. And, and 
the biggest uh, criticism I get is that people wish that I had put in due dates so that they didn't fall behind. Weak, weak-minded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, this, if you're going to work in digital media, if you're going to be an animator, right, you're either going to get on at a company, which is great, but in all likelihood, especially in the beginning, you're going to be doing contract work. You know, you're going to be out there on your own. And just like this class, everything's just going to be due August, you know? So um, self-management, I think, is really uh, an important skill. And I, you just can't say it. Everybody has to feel it. You have to do it yourself. You have to, it's like animating. You can't explain it. You have to just draw 120 frames or 240 frames, you know, before you have any real sense of it. Because I tell people all the time, it takes forever. It takes, you can't do it. Can't get it done in two weeks. It's not enough time. You know, it's too much for one person and they don't believe it. And then they do, I ask them to do 10 seconds of animation and they're like, oh, that took forever. <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, uh, part of it, I think, is just getting a sense of, of how long things take, you know? And uh, either figuring out how to budget your time or I, you know, personally, I think that and I tell my students this sometimes when people wait till the last second and the icy fingers of doom are on your shoulder I love the work that comes out of it you know that's why I almost encourage because the people get inspired but then I tell them I'm like so Matthew's like I no. I saved the day at the end yeah I know but then I say but Matthew you waited because you didn't know any better but imagine Imagine how good it would have been if you had started early because it's pretty yeah. good when you waited till the last second. No, that's, anyway. I, I can't stand that way of working. I've worked waiting till the last second. I've worked for some people that, that love to do that and I don't like that at all. Yeah. Get, get busy on it. If you're yeah. going to start a podcast, just get busy on it. Right. Um, well, I mean, I mean the, mo the truth is that most so much terror in that for me. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is scary. And people fly apart. And, it, you know, a lot of people have not had anything like that, especially engineering students. It's very, very, very structured. Every moment of your time is, is absolutely laid out, you know, in engineering. And then they get in this class, I'm like, do whatever you want. And they completely lose their minds. I've prepared, I've prepared a beat to go along with that, with that feeling. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Ben, uh, your, your discipline is kind of a confluence of several, uh, you know, in, in, my, in my head, it's the confluence of several, you know, kind of uh, pursuits that I feel like can be at odds, you know, yeah. there's the, you know, the kind of mad creativity of art, you know, where, you know, you just stare at a blank canvas and you throw some red paint on there and then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, uh, you know, whatever it becomes. Unfolding organically. Yeah. And then there's, you know, the highly technical world of animation and, yeah. uh, and then there's, you know, uh, you know, project management too, like for a video game or something. Right. At what point did you realize that this was the direction that you were going to go? Like, well, how did you start, you know, was your initial idea to be Van Gogh or? Um, yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I think, you know, in college, probably goes back to college. I mean, I did feel very vague as an undergrad. Um, and, and I... A vague area. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I went to art school and it may have been because I thought it would be easy because I already enjoyed drawing. And so I would just sort of continue doing that. But I was pretty dissatisfied with, you know, and we've already talked about this, sort of the the character of of the school. And, and um, so I was attracted to film school because I, A, I, I liked cartoons and it, it wasn't really being taught in the art school. And B, because I, I, I do enjoy the sort of problem solving of it, the, the mechanics of the camera or the software, it, it had an appeal to me. It, it satisfied part of me that, you know, as you said, Schaefer is just, there is that just sort of raw, sort of ferocious primal creativity, you know, um, but then, you know, I, I like Lego too and all of that. So the problem solving is, is, is satisfying to me as well. So, and the collaborative nature was interesting because, you know, in art school, especially where we went to school, it, you, it could be very independent, you know, you were establishing your identity as an artiste. But what I wanted to do was, you know, I wanted to learn the craft of drawing and then, you know, I was okay with having a job, you know, uh, and I didn't want to do advertising. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something that was sort of creative and fictiony, and and so film industry um, was attractive, and and rightly so. It is very much like that. Um, and then, but but I don't, you know, I do like some collaboration, but you know, when it comes to creativity, animation is nice because you know you you can't. It can be a one person show. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's it's not like filming a live action film where you know you really do kind of need a few people in order to to properly direct the actors or shoot it or. Whatever. You you described the art department as independent but and I, I would i would go so far as to say that there was very little sense of community there yeah it was very every man for himself and right it was a it was a weird scene there were some like inner disciplines where there were groups that eventually formed by the time you were a senior but yeah. you know yeah. it, it was very hard to just i don't know it's so it's so big it was so disparate in a way yeah yeah and it would it was very you know everybody was just sort of on their own and you know we would have these critiques of each other's work but i really felt like it, it just meandered into these sort of frankly bs you know the kind of stuff that you say as a college student to sound deep the critique and, you were, know critiques were excruciating yeah and so there there wasn't you know really much talk of no one ever pointed out a certain muscle to me or said that the, you know, the forearm is too long compared to this or that. Um, you know, it, it, it was all vague like that. It was all, you know, are you really feeling and are you expressing your true identity? And like I said, I felt vague. I was like, I, I don't really feel like I have a, you know, an interesting identity to put up here. Like I'm not about, you know, just, whatever expressing my white guilt or whatever I was <laughs> uh, you know I wanted to make a you know a science fiction graphic novel about a space station caveman you know and it, that was usually well I dared I didn't even dare sort of talk about it to the other art students because everybody was so good grief art school you <laughs> know like and I remember talking to the advisor and and I don't they didn't have any sort of useful advice like 
oh, you want to make graphic novels? Then take this guy's class or, you know, there's a place here in Austin that hires people like that, you know? It was all just, you know, got to make your way to New York and, you know, get some gallery showings and, and things like that. So, um, I don't know. Everybody was trying real hard to be deep. And I just wanted to be shallow. I just wanted to be, be like, oh, I'm just going to go. And I tried. I did the deep thing too. You know, I've got, <laughs> I think a, one of my drawings has a samurai with three testicles. That's about as deep as it got. I'm not even sure why. It just seemed funny. <laughs> uh, anyway. An another point on your, on my deep dive on your um, internet presence is your Vimeo page. Oh man, I haven't updated this stuff in ages. But... I know, I know, but this one's so fun. Let me share my screen, okay? So, can you see us, Ben? I can see y'all. Yeah, I can. See... Oh, geez. So here we are. There's the. I love this old video. Reentry. Uh, now that was that was given to me by a student. That was made by. Yeah. And See, that's what happens when you get a leaf blower in front of that badass green screen. And it's like, I got to get the students up there, y'all. Hey, know? quit stepping on that audio. Just let the audio play. <laughs> for the listener, and we know that you love for us to describe things that we're looking at. It's, it's just Ben's face, and he's obviously re-entering the atmosphere. And his eyes are glowing, and his hair is blowing. It, was it a leaf blower, you say? Yep, I have and a leaf blower, like and a yeah, we can shoot it right in someone's face. And yeah, that was it. Has a big that's a Dragon Ball Z, I think, uh, call okay. out. I'm not sure, okay. so I haven't watched pretty the cartoon, fun. but that's pretty fun. We'll we'll put that on our uh, Facebook page. And as I recall, that student did pretty well. I think um, he went on to do. Um, he worked for Disney, but in their sort of internal animation department. Wait, that's a that's a student film? That's not a film? Yeah, that was a student. That was that was not by me. That was given to me. Oh, okay. And I put it up there because it's like, oh, that's great. So well, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you were talking about um, I, I was okay having a job. I, you know, Ben and I met in this drawing class and uh, I needed a job. And he said, he said, well, I work at this restaurant, Pizza Nizza. And I was like, oh, man, can you hook me with a job? And he was like, yeah, go in there and ask for this guy, Jonathan Holt. <laughs> and uh, see, you know, he's the manager. You were, you, I think you were already kind of the assistant manager, right, at that time? Maybe you were just, maybe you're still just a waiter at that time, right? Yeah, and you told me to go talk to Jonathan. And I did, and I ended up working at Pizza Nizza with you for, so that was like in 95. I, I definitely worked at Pizza Nizza for like, like a year and a half maybe how long did you work there oh maybe well too long i feel like i worked there for like three years or something like that so you, had gone, you went on to romeo's and and trudy's well i i feel like i left pizza nizza because i went on off like a all summer trip oh. or something but yeah. but i did end up I, there was some kind of gap where I ended up working at Trudy's uh, after that. I don't know why I left Pizza Nizza. It was great. I mean, it was it was run by a couple, Mark and Sylvie Skiles. And Mark Skiles had been with the crew that started Whole Foods. Like he had been in on the beginning of Whole Foods and he sold out. 
um, to, because he was a, a Sylvia used to say Mark was a closeted baker and he just had to bake and they wanted to open this pizza restaurant yeah. and it was fantastic. It's they were real cute. Yeah. If you live in Austin, it, it, if you, if you live in Austin and don't remember pizza Nizza, uh, most recently Austin Java was in this space. Yeah. Now I think it's ski shores. Yeah. It keeps changing now. Put a place in there, but there was a, there was a tree. There was a massive pecan tree that grew right up in the center of the building, right in the middle of the dining room. The dining room was kind of a long shotgun kind of affair. There was a lower level that you came into that was like the foyer and you stepped up into the dining room and there were banquettes all along one side and booths along the other side. And there was this massive tree growing up through the, through the restaurant. And I, it was one of those things where almost every shift, maybe every shift, you would hear someone go, oh, look, there's a tree right in the restaurant. Right? You'd hear that thousands of times, right, Ben? Yeah. How, did that create health department issues? It must have been grandfathered in. They, I mean, the last time I was in there when it was Austin Chop, it was still in there. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the rain would come in. Well, Austin Java sort of partitioned it off into its own room. Oh, they did, yeah. Uh, yeah, from a, as a uh, bar and restaurant business manager that that gives me the night terrors. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was kind of a hassle sometimes because the booths, <laughs> booths next, next to it would get all splattered and, uh, you know. Yeah, but it was yeah, it was an old restaurant. It was that was a nice job. I liked them. They were a real nice couple, and uh, they sold their computer system to a much nicer restaurant. And I went with it. I was like the slave to the computer system. So <laughs> they sold me. We'll throw in base to sweeten the deal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that was goodbye to pizza pizza. <laughs> but then they moved to delivery only, and so it's fine. We got it. I got out while I could. And you had worked at other restaurants on, and those of you who don't know, this is, this is on Barton Springs Road in Austin, Texas, which was the old school restaurant row. You had your, uh, your Pizza Nizza, your Romeo's, your Green Mesquite Barbecue, uh, Chewy's, Shady Grove, Baby Acapulco's, it it was it was quite a scene back in the day, right? Yeah, it was that was that was the place to be. And I lived in a little be. a little uh greenhouse there was an architect and he had a greenhouse sort of behind his house and I lived in there and <laughs> It was right up the, right you was right up the hill. That's right. And and but you worked there was a spot at the end of restaurant row that the spot close the pad closest to the park that for some reason like couldn't take and and was many many different restaurants you know you know these locations of restaurants where it just like changes all the time i love the psychology of a guy who goes i'm gonna get this location and we're gonna do this restaurant and it is going to go it's going to be so successful when like 50 guys before him in that location right the cursed well, location yeah. right yeah. honestly you, that's that's anybody who starts a bar or restaurant because <laughs> that's <laughs> no but, but there's, there's always something there before well, tremendous amount of ego and self-confidence 
Because they all like, sure, sure. You have to go into it like that. But there's percent of them fail. <laughs> there's those certain locations though that are like famous. Yeah, I know what you mean. Changing yeah, some are just some are just cursed. Yeah, that's they're, absolutely true. They're for whatever reason the traffic or or uh, you know it's 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 location in terms of like do people see it when they walk by or drive by you know anyway right at the end of restaurant row there was you you worked at cafe brazil right that's right that was my first restaurant job as a busboy cafe brazil now i think it had like two volleyball courts it was it was one of these huge places so i can't remember the specifics of this story but if you can recall yeah something about a raccoon in a trash can Tell, to, can you tell that story? I can tell it real quick. Yeah. So I'm, I'm busing tables and they're open 24 hours. But of course, you know, um, post two o'clock, it starts to slow down. Um, and so I'm out that there. Open 24 hours? Yeah, it was. It was open 24 hours. <laughs> what a nightmare. Um, and yes. And then so I was collecting the trash from around the property. And so I was away from the building out on the next to the volleyball courts. And I reached into one of the trash cans. The liner had fallen in. And as I reached my tasty hand down in there, something chomped into the flesh of my hand <laughs> and wriggled it. And uh, it freaked me out. I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black in there. But I knew it was some dog or some possum or raccoon or something like that. And I, I remember, I just told the story the other day, so I recalled a lot of it. I fell backwards and as I did, I grabbed onto a bus tub that was filled with ice water because I guess there had been cold beer. And oh, I no. pulled it down on top of myself and what was a possum, a big <laughs> possum that had sort of grabbed onto my hand and was, I don't know, just chomping it. And then it ran off. It squealed or something and then ran off into the night. And, um, you know, I, I was just a kid. I don't know what. I go to my boss and, oh, my God, an animal just attacked me. <laughs> And uh, it was bleeding, and, and so she drove me to the hospital. And, and uh, yeah, I guess, I, you know, I've heard now that possums don't carry rabies, but I don't know what the deal was because I did have to end up getting the rabies shots. And I was really scared because I read some book when I was a kid, and they were like, oh, yeah, they give you shots in your stomach, and it feels like fire. I don't remember what this book was, but they didn't. They gave them to me in the butt, but it did take <laughs> the butt cheek. It should be more specific. Uh, and it did take several visits. I remember that. So, um, but if y'all, you know, I'm up to date on my rabies vaccinations. So if you need anything taken care of a varmint or a rodent, just call me up. I know, uh, Ben, I know a little bit about possums as a matter of fact, and they do have a lower body temperature that generally does not host the rabies virus. Okay. But it's probably best. Yeah, that's what they said. They're like, particularly if you're in a liability situation, as yeah. as your employers were. Right. right. <laughs> and that you actually, I remember they didn't want to pay for it initially. And being, you know, like 18 years old, and the just the medicine alone was like $950, and I was going to have to go to a clinic to do it. And they're like, we're not paying for that. And I was like, I'm not paying for it. <laughs> you know, and they eventually did pay for it, thank God. Um, but they were sort of a shady group there a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, that was, that was my, uh, and, well, and, oh, this is perfect. Cause I was in art school. I remember 
And what I did is I, um, I see I was in art school and I wasn't feeling deep enough. Right. Cause everybody's all deep and artistic. Yeah. Because and I was like, Oh, this is my thing. This is my hook. And so what I did is I, I sort of actually convinced myself that I was going through like a metamorphosis and like a werewolf, I was changing into the, my, you know, host attacker. You and were I was a wear possum. <laughs> and so I remember, <laughs> I remember walking, it was, it was a dark night and it was very foggy and I was in Zilker Park and uh, I was walking and really feeling like, yeah, man, I'm turning into this possum and really just vibing on the whole wear possum thing. And I think I did a couple drawings, but it never really panned out. But that's that's about as deep as I could muster in art school. My, my I would I would love to see those drawings. Uh, ben, I have an affection for I have about a I have about a uh, twelve square inch possum tattoo on my right forearm. You do. Let me. I can. I saw your video. I saw you pulling up your sleeve. Nice. Wow. Kind of like we this podcast was always meant to happen i can finally release about these things in a way yes indeed thank god the video's off the tears are just streaming the tears are streaming down my face right now (laughs) (laughs) do you remember any more details about the wear possum oh man what was it um i you know i i feel like i was i was looking i looked up the sort of traits of of possums and I kept, it's kind of like when you think you're sick and you look it up on the internet and you're like, that's it. I've got that, you know, they're, like they're great survivors. Yeah. But I was also like sleepy during the day and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Nocturnal. Right. <laughs> yeah. And maybe I had a lot of stuff in my pockets, like the marsupial thing. I can't remember, but I, I was making all of these like mass, these connections with it. Cause I really, the thing was, is like, I really wanted to, to have that hook in art school and I really didn't have anything. I was just like, so normal. Like I like to watch Saturday morning cartoons. Like I didn't feel like there was anything extraordinary about it. I think that there was something in the, in the air at art school that made everybody feel that way. I don't think anybody was deep enough. There was always that like one person in the class that vibed the most with the professor and they sort of got deemed the deepest. Right. Yeah. And I was always like, when are we going to learn about perspective? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, uh, yeah, the possum thing. And, you know, I still... That's a great story. I, 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 I mean, you, I, you've told that story. I've heard it many times. It had been a long time since I had thought about it. it it's in the category of tales of poor choices. Sticking your hand in that... Uh, yeah, don't do that. Or rattle it. Give it a little There's, rattle first. You, I, I'm going to dig a little deeper into your past. For I remember you telling me this story uh, about another poor, cho- poor choice that you made back in the day. Okay. The time you and Tobin uh, got that saltpeter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just, will you tell that uh, story? Yeah. So there, you know, uh, my, it's like a brother to me this guy toby and he's an eagle scout but he's always he always had like every time i would see him he would have like downloaded and printed the anarchist cookbook or some sort of guide to lock picking right he was all about sort of the illegal stuff any anyway 
And so he found this great recipe for smoke bombs. And what it is, is it's sugar and saltpeter. I can't remember in what measure. But what you do is, is you, you place these two items together in a pan and then you hit low heat it so it caramelizes the sugar and that sort of bonds the saltpeter in it. And um, you would stick um, Strike Anywhere match heads into it at the last minute. And it would be like sort of a candy bar, It'd be like a really, it would dry to be this sort of sticky thing. And what we would do, we would, well, we would get Kit Kats and we would, yo, very nice. We would, you know, unwrap them carefully and then make Kit Kat shaped smoke bombs with Strike Anywhere match heads sticking out of them. And then we would rewrap it in the Kit Kat wrapper. And we thought we were very clever because we had these, and these smoke bombs were like, these things were crazy. Once they got going, nothing could put them out because the sugar was just like burning. And the saltpeter, I guess when it burns, it makes oxygen. So you cannot put it out. It burns crazy hot and it spits out burning hot sugar. It's just, a, it's very exciting to be around. Anyway, we're in his uh, apartment that he shared with his girlfriend. This is an apartment, by the way. And we're making a big batch. Oh, yeah. And we've got all our empty candy wrappers laid out and we got all our supplies and you have to do it real low heat because if it catches, it will go up. You cannot get it out. Anyway, we're trying to be so careful and God damn it, the thing caught on fire, a whole pan of it. And let me tell you, one Kit Kat sized smoke bomb is going to just completely engulf an intersection in smoke. It's a serious smoke bomb. And so when this frying pan lit, <laughs> It was burning like white hot phosphorus and just shooting like hot sugar all around the room. Oh, and smoke, of course. Sugar like Sugar smells terrible, too. Yeah. And, and it's just the room filled up with smoke instantly. And we were just like, get it out of the house, get it out of the house. And he, he grabbed it, but it was, it was burning so hot that the frying pan fell face down on the carpet of his apartment. There goes the <laughs> deposit. And it filled, I mean, it filled up the apartment with so much smoke. And saltpeter, by the way, is something that, uh, according to legend, they put in the food at, on army bases because it, it makes you impotent. And so the whole time I'm thinking, oh, shit, you know, like this smoke bomb's going off and it's going to render me impotent forever, whatever. <laughs> the, the, so the the smoke subsides, it finishes. We're on the ground floor, so it burns through the carpet, but it hits cement and it doesn't keep going, thank God. And, but it burns a big asshole in the carpet. And then it puts just little sugar pock marks all over the walls. And anytime they hit a surface like a, the TV screen, they burned it. And I remember there was like a Beatles poster in like a plastic sort of plexiglass frame that was all wet melted and ruined that was his girlfriend she's gone at the time anyway we clean the stuff up and we throw it, was we the, throw wait, was it the girlfriend's apartment yeah <laughs> and then we afterwards we had to go drive and tell her and she was real mad but anyway <laughs> we cleaned the place up and put a throw rug over the massive burn spot and we're just wiping the walls down of all these burned sugar and it seems like it takes forever for us to get us together we've got a big fan open the sliding door we're just blowing smoke out into the night this is out on east riverside 
is we're totally cleaned up. Like this, the crime scene is clear, right? And we're going to go tell this girl we're walking away. That's when all the fire trucks showed up because they had seen, of course, a massive column of smoke coming from an apartment complex. And they, you know, they came and checked it out as they should. And, and we you, thought about making a run for it, but they knew which apartment we were. So we turned around and we, you know, turned ourselves in. Them what happened? Well, you know what? Smoke bombs are not illegal. Oh. And so, you know, aside from the trouble we were going to losing the deposit with the apartment people, the, the uh, firefighters were actually really sort of, they thought it was sort of funny, I guess. <laughs> and they were glad, of course, that no one had been killed and burnt down. And they, we knew, they commented on how unsafe that was. But I mean... There was no tickets or anything. It was just wow. kind of like, don't That's do that. Funny. You know, we're like, okay. <laughs> we drove away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, saltpeter has become really hard to find. After 9-11, uh, it, it became very difficult to sort of trade. You occasionally, I, I always keep a lookout for it. You're, um, you're still in the market? Oh, yeah. Dudes, come on. All you need is sugar. Sugar <laughs> and saltpeter, I promise. Look it up. It's like six to four. I forget what the ratio is, but uh, it works great. Um, but it, it burns real hot, so be real careful about it. It'll burn. Yeah, it'll burn through that carpet. So. <laughs> Erica was not happy about her Beatles poster. Well, thank you for sharing. I love that one. That one's a classic. Uh, yeah. I've talked you about know, like my kids. My kids are always like, we get around the dinner table and they're like, daddy, tell us a story about when you were in pain or got hurt or were scared. <laughs> those are her, their favorite kind of stories. <laughs> well, those... Riding my bike and I fell in the fire ants and they're like, yay. <laughs> uh, we, we've talked about on this podcast before the time that I was uh, on Halloween, I was the angel of death and I won that karaoke contest. That's right. I was there. Yeah. Can you just confirm that? I can confirm that. Do you, do you remember? Uh, it was Guns and, you don't even have to talk Guns and Roses, right? No. What was the song? Well, remember I did Guns and Roses and my, yeah. my knee popped out of socket. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And, and then, but then later I got back up and I did Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah, nice. Yeah. Yes, I was there that night, and then, you know... Witness me! 15 years of knee surgeries later, so... Yeah, yeah. And you've never met Schaefer before, Ben? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. You don't know what I look like, but... I, yeah, yeah. You know, I was, well, he saw your... He sees your picture, and he okay. saw you in the re-entry video. Okay, yeah. Do you guys think it's weird that I keep my friend group separate? No, I'm glad. I'm glad you do that. <laughs> All those love. No, I'm kidding. Uh, is is Shay, Are you a Lubbock? You're a Lubbock guy, right? I am. Yeah. 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 Well, Schaefer lived in Houston, and then his parents moved into Lubbock when he was in eighth grade. Poor bastard. And but yeah, yeah we did meet in Lubbock. Nice. Yeah. And okay. I would occasionally come for some wild weekends in Austin during the college years, but I didn't spend much time here. Yeah. Yeah, I've you know I know of the Lubbock crew, and I see them, but I'm a little I'm intimidated. I'm afraid to hang out with them too much because one time Matthew was like, "Let's go hang out with some of my Lubbock friends," and then I remember we ended up underneath some bridge out in the country, and I didn't have a coat. Everybody had coats, 
and they were ready to hang out under this icy bridge. Do you remember that? It was like Southwest Parkway. <laughs> I don't know why we ended up out there. Uh, but I think the bridge you're talking. I think you're talking about when we went to we went to a rave in the tunnels that are next to Austin High. I don't remember that. What? We went to hang out under a bridge on Southwest Parkway? Yeah, dude. It was like, I don't know why, but it was like in the middle of nowhere. It was like a bridge in the middle of the country, no less. And I remember standing around just feeling really underdressed for some I reason. Have no Good choice. Memory. Definitely bring your coat. I have no but, memory of that. And that's why, you know, when people say they're from Lubbock, I'm always like, well, let me go get my coat. <laughs> I'll probably end up under some bridge and uh, Y'all are going to want to shoot cans or something like that. And I've been I, I, I really, I think it's, I don't know why I've. Wrestled on the bar ditch. I haven't purposefully kept you separate from, yeah. from my Lubbock crew. I, I will say though, that like my friends that I met through restaurants and school, like those were just like different situations than when, in, when I would get together with any of my Lubbock friends. And I got to say, Ben, from everything I've heard, you'd fit right in. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I've been to a couple parties. I mean, you met Manique at like my wedding. Yeah. No, I love the Lubbock crew. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I don't really hang out. You know, I hang out with Matthew by myself, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, that's I, don't really I mean, we play together. disc golf together. We're, that's about it. you know, we've been, we've been in our domestic bliss situations for a number of years and then and so basically the only time we get to hang out is we play this in fact it was ben's 40 something birthday yesterday oh happy birthday ben thank you and we're we're going to flat creek disc golf course tomorrow to for a birthday round schaefer there's this winery out on 1431 that has a disc golf course oh. off of 1431 um so yeah. Schaefer, you you own a bar is that right yes or, sir yeah and that is in houston yes no it's here in austin oh it is okay i'm sorry yeah. i don't know why i thought that i oh. have one in houston oh okay okay uh um, right, we opened uh yeah just uh shy of two years ago now we opened the front page over on springdale on the Spring front springdale general okay I have not been there. I'll go. Is it open? Are y'all doing it? Is it happening now? We are. We're open Monday through Friday for the time being until okay. uh, until the afteration. Yeah. <laughs> until the until the, vi the until the vaccines come out. Yeah. 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 We'll we'll figure something out for all three of us to uh, get together. That'd be fun. Yeah. I really haven't kept friend groups separate on purpose. It's like totally circumstantial. How old is Ronan? Uh, my boy is six. Yeah. Uh, Ronan and Griffin were born uh, one week apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, they should come out for the uh, for the annual fiesta. Do you have a fun a fun family friendly event or something like that? Yeah, we have a get together uh, out in Krause Springs in Spicewood. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we have a hall conference. Yeah, we should have. I think everybody should be getting their vaccine before the hall conference in 2021. So I think it's going to be on. It could be the biggest hall conference ever. 
yeah, people are going to be ready for it, no doubt. <laughs> and is this your family, the Hall Conference? Is this the extended? It's it's the fun part of the family and then friends. <laughs> the fun part of the family. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out a little bit. Although, you know, I like staying in too. I've become accustomed to staying in. It's going to be harder to get back, you know. Well, now well, the there'll be like so many commitments to go and do things <laughs> in the oh, operation. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks for coming and talking to us. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for helping me. Thanks for helping us create content for our. Yeah, no, this is fun dedicated hunter gatherers well yeah i've listened to a couple episodes and and i'm excited to be part of it and and uh never been on a podcast before well i would i would blather on and talk to you longer but i need to rest so that i can give you a a game on your birthday oh yeah (laughs) you guys got a big day that's right we're gonna drive up to marble falls it says marble falls but that's not really where it is it's well it's way west this place schaefer is is really across the colorado river from spicewood oh wow you're at krause and you look across the colorado it's over there oh but there's no it's like there's nowhere to cross uh i thought ben i thought you were going to be able to take 71 out there but you're gonna have to 1431 to get out there this is some regional specific talk that the listeners <laughs> like right at the like right at the end of the podcast I love for the for the host and the guests just to get the direction straight for the morrow. Right. <laughs> Let me ben, thank you so much. Mind. Thanks thanks for being the bringing the where possum into my life. <laughs> I Next feel time like- you look up at the moon, remember it's inside all of us, Shaper. <laughs> you know that. I definitely do more than I do. Probably, I feel like the, the were- outside. I feel like the were possum could be a recurring character on the podcast now. <laughs> can we license? Can we license that from you, Ben? You got yeah. Have it. Take it. Just run with it. All right. Well, happy to see it. Have a life. Thanks, dude. See yeah. you tomorrow. We love yeah. you all. And remember, the angrier the possum, the sweeter the were possum. Sweeter the. Wow.